Hey, welcome to another episode of the Express Yourself podcast by Zane Masters and Andy Archie. This episode is sponsored by the Express Yourself project. All links will be attached in the description below. All right, welcome to another episode of the Express Yourself podcast. Today we have a, another beautiful guest on our show today. Uh, she is a life coach. She is uh, a coach for women. She is a coach for men, which I love the most. Um, she is a dear friend of mine. She has been a facilitator in the workshop for me. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to Kim DeMassey. Hello. <laughs> so instead of uh, me giving a bit of a any further backstory on you, introduce us. Uh, what what is it that you're about? Uh, where did you grow up? Give us a little bit of a backstory. Ooh, where did I grow up? Okay, so um, yeah, as Andy said, I'm a life coach. I do actually call myself a personal coach. Um, Beautiful. Only because I never knew why, but I didn't like the term life coach. And I was thinking about it a while back and I was like, I think it's because like I feel like you can't coach on life, right? Like life happens. Like, yeah, we make choices and take action and make things happen, but life just happens sometimes like when we aren't even doing those choices. So I prefer to call myself a personal coach because I coach people on personal stuff, whatever's coming up for them, you know, things that they're going through, Um, things they've experienced previously that – they don't understand and and I try to help them understand why they went through those things and why people behave the way that they do. Um, so, yeah, that's my, that's my jam. I love um, that. I, I actually <laughs> grew up in – I was born in a place called Biloela, which is Where like – Where the hell is that? Like, that's, that's <laughs> what everyone says. I'm from New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> it's like inland and like up um, – Kind of like, do you know Gladstone or Rockhampton? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah so yep. it's inland of there. Like, oh, wow. It was a very small town. Um, grew up there, born there and grew up there until I was about 10 and then we moved to Yapoon, which is near Rockhampton and yep. had like, yeah, just grew up there. So like North Queensland. Yeah, yep. yeah. And then um, from there moved to Brisbane, lived in Brisbane for like 20 years and then went back home for a couple of years to Yapoon and then just came down to the Gold Coast in – November 2019, and so I've been here since then. Mm. Right, so you were actually, when we first met, Yeah. Uh, we met uh, in Bridge and Extreme. Were you living up there at the time? I was, li- I had just come down here to the Gold Coast, to Brisbane, sorry. Ah, oh, right, yeah. lucky us. So I came <laughs> back to Brisbane and then uh, was going back and forth between Brisbane and the Gold Coast for a few months because I was house-sitting. And I hadn't secured a house to live in in the Gold Coast. And then eventually, a few months later, I stayed with a friend in Rabina and then got our place at Broad Beach Waters with the other crew. Mm. Yeah. So I had just come down then in November. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I will say it's been an absolute blessing to have you down this side. Um, Thank you. Because you've been an absolute uh, amazing friend and, and support system for my life since we first connected. So I'm um, very, very grateful. Mm-hmm. Just to touch on that, like I remember when we were doing the cup, when we were preparing for the couples workshop, and I said to Andy because he was like, "We need a woman facilitator," and he was like, "Bro, I already know the person." I was <laughs> like, "Oh, okay, who's that?" Kim. 
She's, bro, she's a gangster. <laughs> <laughs> she's a gangster. And I was like, okay, cool. I trust you. And yeah, so that's yeah. why we, we brought you on board. Cause yeah, I, cool. But I trust Andy, obviously. Yeah. You know? And um, yeah, he was right. It was perfect on the day. Yeah. <laughs> that was great, actually, that workshop. It was. Yeah. 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 Uh, just, just to, um, I guess, further educate those who've, Maybe this may have been the first episode that you've come into. When we say gangster, what I refer to as gangster <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is somebody that is like a reckoning force for humanity. Mm. Yeah. Somebody who uh, uses their voice not in a um, demonization sort of way towards humanity or, or derogatory or belittling way, but more so in a way of um, getting a message across to help help humanity, help men, help women, help relationships. Mm. Um people in all facets of life so you're yeah. a gangster Kim thank mm. you <laughs> you're welcome humanity <laughs> if we if we go all the way back let's what was your what would you say your childhood was was like growing up where you grew up I always get like weird about this because I think especially after doing all the bridge rooms the bridge experience rooms that I've done where people come in with so much stuff right like I've, I've heard the worst things you could hear mm that people have experienced. And I often think to myself, fuck, I didn't go through anything like that. Like I never experienced anything that kind of bad, quote unquote bad, because a lot of the time people do this, even in those rooms, they're like, oh, oh I haven't experienced, my, my trauma is not that bad or it's not trauma. Um, but we all do go through something, you know. Um, my childhood was like we had a very loving family. We all, I have two sisters we all got along really well. We had lots of cousins. We'd always hang out with them. Um, and it, I guess to me it seems like it was pretty easy. And then when I started to do this kind of personal development work, I started to realise there's so many patterns and behaviours and conditioning that I've experienced that I never even realised because I thought my childhood was just easy. But um, one thing in particular actually that I will talk about is when I was two years old, my younger sister was born. And this comes up for me a lot, even still now. Just four weeks ago it came up. There's a, um, an experience there where my younger sister was really sick as a baby. And so she was in hospital all the time. Like, I mean, really, really sick. Mum and dad had to be with her all the time. And I basically, like, mum would always say to me, oh, you, you kind of raised yourself. Like, you taught yourself how to use the to – like, you toilet trained yourself. You know, you would – just became very independent and I didn't know that at the time what was happening but as an adult now I can look at that and go wow I actually felt like I had been left because mm. my sister came along she was getting all the attention and all the focus which obviously has to happen she was a very sick baby but I then started to think oh well okay I've got to do this by myself and do that by myself even though I wasn't on my own like we would go to my nonna's house or, you know, cousin's house to be looked after or whatever. Uh, how old were you at this time? I was two, two. when she was right. born, yeah. Um, but as an adult now, I can just see that. I can see like, wow, I felt like I had been left or kind of pushed to the side. And obviously that wasn't true, but you don't know that at, at the time. At two years old. Hell yeah. No. yeah. You're just like, where's my mum and dad? Yeah. Mm. And um, th it shows up now all the time in like – uh, friendships and stuff so I had a conversation with a really good friend of mine yeah about four weeks ago I think and 
I was experiencing experiencing something like this where it felt like I was being um, not left out isn't the left out isn't the term it's forgotten about that's mm. what always comes up for me is like I feel like I've been overlooked or forgotten about and that obviously relates to my childhood mm. um, and because I I think because I became so independent I became like the mother hen right which everybody knows me as that role now too like I was always looking after my cousins and like I was kind of the the caretaker of the kids um because I do have that nature anyway uh and even like as I grew up then I started working in childcare you know from that as well and I worked in childcare for 20 years because I just had that kind of really I mean all women are nurturing but I mine was kind of a lot like really nurturing mothering wanted to take care of everybody make sure everyone's okay mm. um and yeah I think that kind of developed from that too which is amazing because like what a gift like it's beautiful you know uh I would say that's probably my only um the, the biggest thing for me right now something else that I actually haven't spoken about before um Publicly, I guess. I've talked to people about it and friends and stuff, but I actually did experience sexual abuse when I was younger. And that didn't really come out until I was a lot older and I kind of understood what it was and what happened. And interestingly enough, I don't really have like a charge around it anymore because I've done a lot of work around it. I've spoken, it came out in a workshop years ago and since then it just kind of unraveled and all this sort of stuff. Anyway, over the last probably maybe two months, I kind of realised there's actually been three other times that I can think of where I've been taken advantage of that I never realised was that because I was always um, either a willing participant or I just didn't say anything. Mm. But I just I was talking to someone about it the other day, I was like, Shit, I actually realised there's been three or four other times where I realised that was a huge point in my life where something happened that I didn't actually even realise what it was. I, I kind of just always dismissed it. Mm. So mm. it wasn't that it just happened once. There was other times where these other people had taken advantage of me and I never even, I never even called it that or realised it, you know. Because mm. it was that deep embedded programming that you just kind of – shoved off as the norm yeah yeah which I mean it's interesting this has come up now because like with all the stuff that's happening at the moment with women and there's that march they were doing all the marches in the cities today for um you know that woman was killed in the UK and um yeah that it happens so much where we just kind of brush it off or we don't want to say anything because we don't want to get in trouble or we don't want to upset anyone we want to keep everybody happy and you know it's it's happening all the time Mm. Yeah. The the um I, I guess just to take a little uh, back a little bit the first bit explaining how you I guess were very independent. Yeah. Um, as soon as you shared that with me, that just gave me your whole movie reel and and <laughs> explained <laughs> to me why you are the way you are. Yeah. <laughs> so um, which is crazy, you know, the things that we condition ourselves with as as children. Yeah. Makes massive prints in who we become. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Massive prints in who we've become. Um, and then, you know, the second bit. 
these uh, conversations are always when there's anything to do with some type of sexual trauma is always kind of um, taken with a lot of shame. Yeah, mm. for sure. Because of what society sort of deems as, you know, uncomfortable topics to talk about. And by all means they are, yeah. you know. Yeah, very. You were there for me. Yeah. When I opened up, man, I've never opened about, up about this publicly, but, um, you know, I went through something similar. Yeah. And uh, I remember how how much it – uh, how much it, not hurt, but how much it, um, yeah, it, it did hurt me. How yeah. much it hurt me throughout my entire life. Yeah. I think I was 31 at the time. Yeah. When that finally came out, you know, the, the, the type of sexual trauma that I'd experienced as well. Mm. And being able to speak about it, fuck, it was hard. Yeah. It mm. was hard. My body was shaking, my lip was laboring, <laughs> tears were coming through my pores and my ears and all sorts of <laughs> places I never experienced. <laughs> but once I actually let that out, I felt so empowered. Yeah. Felt so empowered. And then hearing how many other people had gone through some type of sexual trauma mm-hmm. just made me realise like why why is this such a shameful topic? You know, I, I understand, but why do we have to create so much shame behind it mm. when so many people go through it? Yeah. All it takes is one. Okay, I'm going to speak about it. Let's give someone else permission. And then yeah. that person gives someone else permission and so on and so forth. I guess um, what I want to say is, is if there's any advice that you could give to somebody that has gone through some type of sexual trauma, uh, what would that be that that you've learned from coming through the other side and, and freeing themselves from it? Yeah, it would probably just be that, to talk to someone about it because I know for me, like when, when you talk about the shame, when that happened to me, I guess I didn't really kind of understand it. So I think I was about nine or ten and I didn't really understand what had happened but I know that all through my um, – I guess, 20s and 30s and stuff, I started to, or beginning of my 30s, I, like, did things that I now know came from that. Like, I would go out and party and just, like, I mean, we would just be wasted all weekend. I would go out and hook up with guys who I've met out, like, all the time, just for one-night stands, trying to find some kind of uh, worthiness, I guess, because... I had so much shame around that thing, thinking that I was only good for that one thing. Mm. And this mm. is what happens to a lot of women. They think, oh, I'm only good to be used or to be abused. Mm. I, I need to, to find something that makes me feel like I'm more than that. And so we do this. We go out and we sleep with men because we, we're getting attention. We think, oh, this person likes me, but it's really nothing. And we're just seeking this validation and this mm. worthiness and – love and attention from other people when we really get to give it to ourselves that's where the power is Mm. so talking about it and really just accepting that it happened because acceptance is I mean with anything acceptance is the first step right like if you can accept that it happened then you can do something with it you can move forward you can process it if you're in denial you're basically powerless so 
talking about it would be accepting it first and then talking to someone about it. Find someone that you really trust and, you know, just let them know. And that even just that one thing, like talking about it, I know for me it just released so much of the shame and the guilt because I know when I spoke into this, spoke into it in this room, uh, one of the guys, the, the first guy actually in the circle we were in, he stood up, the first person to go, and he said that he'd experienced sexual abuse. And there was, I think, 30 of us in this group. And the facilitator said, anyone else who has experienced some kind of sexual trauma or sexual abuse, step forward. And in that 30, probably I'd say... If not 20, 25 people stood forward in a group of 30. And I had breakfast with the facilitators the next day and I said to him, how do you not um, break down in tears when people are sharing this stuff with you? Like, Because I was crying for everyone. (laughs) And he said, Kim, in these rooms, like we've done a few of these rooms now, 80% of the room has experienced sexual abuse or sexual trauma. He's like, it's just so common. Mm. And you don't think it is because you think you're the only one. Mm. And we always do. We're just like, I can't tell anyone because, like, it's embarrassing. It's shameful. I'm the only person who's experienced it. And now I just realise, like, so many people have experienced it. And, you know, if not that person that you tell, they probably already know someone else who has experienced it. Mm. So... Just talking about it and getting out releases so much from your body because like you said, you're shaking and, you know, your lips quivering and all the tears and stuff because trauma is held in your body. So when you're holding on to that for 10, 20 years and then you finally talk about it and let it go, your body is actually releasing that trauma Mm. physically. And this is the thing about those rooms when we get to the workshops where we get to experience people releasing it watching them go in uh, and look a certain way and they hold themselves a certain way and then when they release their trauma, whatever it is, they're coming out so different. Mm. Like they look different, their physiology is different, they're standing up straighter, they've got their shoulders back, you know, their heads up high. Like they're just – because it's been released, their body doesn't have to hold on to it anymore. It's like there's someone that knows themselves just a little bit more. Yeah. And then a little bit more, strip another layer – Oh, this guy's really fucking tall. Like yeah. this guy is <laughs> undeniably sure of himself. Yeah, uh, guy or, or, or female. Yeah, um, you know, a big thing that I, I've I've found is once you once you can own the story, then you can rewrite a new one. Because mm-hmm. as long as we stay victim to our stories, our story will hold us captive. Yeah, totally. And I've found that even with my. Um, talking about my the story of like being forgotten about or overlooked um in the last couple of years like I've seen that show up so many times and I'll be like fucking hell like when is this gonna go away because it's so (laughs) frustrating but then I'll talk to someone about it like a good friend and they'll be like you just get to be grateful that it's showing up again because now you get you you get to see that it's still there and you can work on it and I was like yeah, fine, like, you know, but I get it, I get it and it's frustrating. Yeah. But I do, I am at that point now, I'm like, here's this thing again, okay, cool. Where do I go from here? Like, how do I 
look at this a bit differently and each time it comes up it's a little bit less and a little bit less you know because that thing I'm rewriting the story and trusting in friendships because that's been a big one and in particular it's been friendships with men that I've experienced it in uh, quite a few times which to me I guess kind of relates back to my dad because like he was just so like focused on my little sister understandably because she was so sick that it's I think that's been the biggest thing for me and that's why it shows up in men like oh I'm I wasn't good enough or I didn't feel loved or whatever you know so it's showing up in these relationships with male friends Um, and actually something that I've been really leaning into the last couple of years is just trust the friendship and somebody said this to me um, a few years ago we were doing some feedback with each other and she had said to me you just get to trust it trust the friendship and that, just that, those words like trust the friendship I was like shit that sounds so simple and I've never just thought of it like that just trust the friendship like instead of telling myself all the stories and thinking they're doing this and they're saying that for these reasons just trust it I love that especially if you have a friend that you can sit down and, and give feedback back and forth to yeah and when I say feedback, I don't mean, oh, yeah, bro, that looks really good. I really like that. <laughs> I mean, really, in your mind, you're thinking, bro, that is shit. <laughs> <laughs> that is so trash. Because that doesn't that doesn't serve your friends. No. You know, and if you can sit there, like, for example, Zane and I have had some really uncomfortable conversations. Mm. But then when we have them, and then I finally get this little bite back, I actually laugh. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Finally got it. <laughs> and vice versa. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just honest. Yeah. Mm. Honest friendships. Um, there's no dancing around the sidelines and avoiding the, the main conversation because that's not going to help him. Yeah. And mm. whatever he's got for me is not going to help me. Yeah. Mm. So, it's, yeah, it's very rare. Mm. Mm. It is. It's funny. You said trust the friendship. And, like, that sort of landed for me. But we've been speaking about this. And one thing I shared with Andy the other day was that I find it hard to express anger. So my background, my my past, my expression of anger is fuck you, mm. get fucked, fuck off. If you don't do the third thing, I punch you. Yeah. So I, you know, it's taken me a lot of years to get to the point where I can communicate it. Whereas Andy, he gives me a, well, he gives me that safety and that comfort to know that I can express and communicate anger and that's not going to totally destroy our friendship, mm. you know, because he understands it, that it's just an expression. Yeah. Right? And not all of it is true, yeah. you know. And it's actually teaching me how to express anger in a healthy way, mm. you know. And, you know, what you're saying there, Zane, about it being just an expression, it's not who you are. Yeah, exactly. It is yeah. an expression. Yeah. It's a part of you. Mm. It's a part of all of us, anger yes. especially. And this comes up a lot with men. Mm. And... One of my friends had said to me a while ago, like, about her ex-partner, I didn't trust him because he wasn't able to express anger. So he was holding it all in, thinking, I can't get angry, I can't get angry, I can't get angry because it's not okay, it's not allowed. And meanwhile, he's thinking that's the good thing to do because I'm not getting angry at my partner, but she's thinking, I can't fucking trust you because you're not expressing what's what I know is there because mm. we all have it. Yeah. Mm. And it's so true. It makes you feel like for women in particular with men, like if we, if we can't see you express what's actually there, how can we trust? You know, how can we trust that? I, I was smiling because um, it gave me a little bit of a flashback when 
I pushed Sane's button till he got angry. And I was just like, there it is. <laughs> See, it's all good. <laughs> but carry on, carry on. I, I love that, you know, talking about, um, I guess, what female need being able to see all the expressions. Mm. Can you take us through a little bit of a walk through that? You know, if for men, well, yeah. what, what is it? What other things that I guess we need to do to help our woman feel safe? safe. Yeah. So, the biggest thing that always comes up for me is do the thing that you said you were going to do. Like, to put it really simply, do the thing you said you were going to do because. Um, for me personally, that is what – like I've experienced this over the last few months and I had a, a bit of a blow-up with a male friend um, a while back and I'm laughing because I didn't actually think that my message to him affected him as much as what I now know it did and it completely changed everything for him because he was like – it was really uncomfortable to hear that message. I sent him this voice message and um, he said, but it shifted everything for me because it made me realise that I was being like – out of integrity, I wasn't being my word, I had said I was going to do something with you and then I didn't follow through and that was all it was about and it was just a friend. But, um, yeah, doing so you were the calling thing. calling him forward. Yeah, doing the thing that you said you were going to do and following through with it because, like, w- to be able to feel safe, like, women need to know that they can trust you. So if you say you're going to do something, do that thing. Because every time, I mean, not even just for women, but even just trust in yourself. Every time you don't follow through with what you said you were going to do, and this goes for women too, you're a little piece of you is like, I don't trust you. I don't trust you because you're not following through with the things that you said. <clears throat> you know, even if you give yourself a reason not to do it or like a, an excuse, like your soul is like losing a little bit of trust each time. <clears throat> so if you're losing that trust in yourself – and that integrity, how can other people trust you, mm. you know? Um, but I think… So be integral with what you say. Yeah, be your word. This is yeah. like one of the biggest things that in my female groups, communities that I'm in is we talk about is like be your word, like do the thing you said you were going to do. And um, yeah, releasing… Everything that's there, like letting those expressions out, whatever you've got, whatever feelings are there, like we need to know that that I, I actually can't even explain why that makes us feel safe, but it does. Like just to be able to see you express everything that, that's there because we do that and like I get it, men have been taught not to do that and they've been taught, you know, as little boys not to cry, all the rest of it, like just suck it up, be tough so that's what they're in, into – they go into adulthood still doing that. So women are like, well, if you're not going to express anger because I know you have it in you, we all have those feelings within us. If you can't express it, how can I trust you? Because the thing is, if you're not expressing it in that moment, who knows when that's going to come out and what's going to happen? Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what we don't trust. Yep. It's like if you can't express it in the little moments, if you're pissed off with me and that builds up – who knows where that will come out and what you will do? Mm-hmm. Sorry, bro. <laughs> I love that because, um, you know, um, with my fiance and I, you know, we've had some ups and downs and um, lately yeah. we've had just – we've been on the absolute beautiful ride of expression. Yeah. You know, where we'll unpack something and be like, 
I'm expressing this now so it doesn't turn into a big argument. I'm, I love you. Yeah. You know, I love you. I'm just letting this off so it doesn't build up and compile and then we have a, a big explosion. Yeah. And I found that just sharing those words that I love you, you know, mm. I love you. That's enough to go away from the, oh, this nigga wants to, oh, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't say that actually. <laughs> <laughs> you said it, it's out there. <laughs> <laughs> this guy wants to have a go at me, but the moment you say I love you, I'm just expressing how I feel so we don't have a build-up of resentment towards each other. It's like putting the wick out. Mm. Stops the wick from going any further before the explosion uh, comes. Um, So, yeah, I I love that. And and just want to go back a little bit further. You're talking about uh, being a man of your word and integrity. Now, the word integrity, (laughs) I love integrity, right? I feel like I'm a very integral man and and when I'm out of integrity – uh, I call myself forward. I, yeah. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. But what I see today is that integrity has become like this sort of fad word. Yeah. It's like that is just used. Yeah. Without integrity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bro. Um, yeah, I'm just going to leave that there. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Oh, I was going to go on to something. If the cap fits. <laughs> Wear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, honestly, it really has. It's like the word narcissist. Yeah. So this this bugs me because people throw this word around. Like the minute anyone does anything that seems off or – and it happens a lot with me, uh, sorry, women using it towards men mm. and that pisses me off because – it's easy to go, oh, he's a narcissist, stay away from him. Mm. Most people don't even know what that word means. Yeah, because it I've took me seen 29 years until I figured <laughs> out what a narcissist was. Well, I've seen people use it in, in these, in like say for example in comments on Facebook or Instagram and they're using these, this word and I'm like, that doesn't even relate to what this post is or whatever. Like you, I don't think you actually know what that means. Like, you know – it, and it's same with integrity. Like people will say it and go, yeah, we're in integrity. Are you actually? Do you actually know what it means to be in integrity? Mm. You know, to be your word and to to be the person you say that you are online or in front of people at workshops and things. Are you actually doing that behind closed doors where no one can see you? Yeah. Because that's what matters. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've had many conversations about this. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Andy, I will just say like, you know, when we did that, um, when we were going to do that second couples workshop and you said to me, I remember you reached out and said, oh, we're just putting it off because me and my partner have been going through some stuff and I don't feel it would be in integrity to do a couples workshop when we're not in a good place. Mm. That's integrity, you know. To me, that's integrity like – I'm not going to go in there and try to show people what they should be doing or teach them X, Y, Z when me and my partner at the moment just can't get it together, mm-hmm. you know? Thank you. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting you were talking about, and, and we're going a little bit little bit back about uh, making women feel safe. Yeah. I, I actually see this from a deeper level now, just from you speaking about it. For years and years, and well, it is my fault, but I didn't know any better. Um, 
I just wouldn't express how I felt mm. to my partner, you know. And I felt like, oh, I just have to take all the responsibility on yeah. and not tell her anything because I don't want to stress her out, right? And that was like me trying to be the man yeah, for our relationship and our family. And then when you're saying like, she's not going to trust you, she didn't trust me yeah, because I wouldn't say yeah. all of the things that were going on. Yeah. But I didn't see it like that. I was like, I'm trying to protect no. you. But it wasn't it. Yeah. You know? That actually makes so much sense. And that I see that play out for mm. most men. It's like, well, I have to t- I have to hold all the responsibility. Mm. I'm I'm the man, so I've got to take care of it. I'm the fixer. I just gotta find a solution. Yeah. I don't need to tell her what the problem is or how I'm feeling about it. I just need to find a solution. Mm. And yeah, that can feel so unsafe, you know, like Part of our security as a woman is, yes, to know that we've got, we, we've got a man who can hold it and at the same time is able to express how they felt about it or what they were going through during that. Mm. Um, and I think on that note, in the personal development world at the moment, there is a lot of men who have, uh, in my opinion, have become too a little bit too um, soft. Mm. Like I'm doing air quotes for soft, but yep. like, you know, because and, – and this is probably why men are like so, – So you mean like uh, too feminine? Yeah, in a way, yeah. yeah. Like not not that they're expressing too much, but it's like – it's hard to explain, but yeah, in a way it's too much um, – kind of feeling and not not enough of the like I've I've got this. Yeah, because a woman you know? still needs a man. Yeah. Mm. yeah. The, actually there's a the best way to explain it is go to on Instagram. Um Ryan Fontana, Soul Panther, I think he is on Instagram. He did a brilliant post about it months ago, which was like, men, have you lost your edge? Because that's and he talks about this exact thing. It's it's so well written. It's exactly what women feel. And when I read it, I was like, that's what I've been trying to put into words. It's like, yeah, you get to be the safe space and all the rest of it. And we need you to fucking hold it mm. together. You know, which is probably, I was just going to say, is probably why men are like, oh, women are so confusing. Because <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, we want you to do this, but we also want you to do this, you yeah, know. Yeah. But yeah. it's a it's the masculine and, and the feminine. feminine. Yeah. yeah. It's it's interesting because I just seen the whole the whole dynamic of all the work I've done. Yeah. So I was such a distorted masculine. I was just all rah mm. all the time, you know, fuck feelings like that was me. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then the fuck feelings pretty much got my life to a point where it was like, okay, this shit isn't working now, mm. and I'm destroying my family. I need to fix this. And then we dive into an awakening and then the feminine and the expression. And I was like, oh, chuck the masculine to the side and I'm going to be all of this, right? And then I'm too floaty and and not enough edginess, right? This year I've brought them back together, Yeah. right? I brought it all back in. But having to retrain my masculine energy or the warrior energy within me Mm. to not be so distorted, Mm -hmm. right? And it's, it's it's a hard act, right yeah. it's hard and um one way i, I learned about like is got flowing between energy mm-hmm. right being masculine when i need to be masculine yeah. and then being in my feminine when i need to be feminine yeah. and and mainly around my my girls mm. and being playful and that yeah but then when we need to get stuff done oof, 
back yeah. into the masculine. Yeah. Mm. Um, just on that, speaking about being playful with your children, I just I shared a story the other day because I read this great thing from, I think it was Irene Lyons, her name is, she did this um, video about parents and it's something that I witnessed a lot in 20 years of childcare work. Parents need to play with their children and um, because that's how they learn to be in the world. It's how kids learn to be in the world. And I said to my sister the other day, we were talking about this because she said she had a baby in February last year. He has Prader-Willi syndrome, which means a few different things. They can have low muscle tone, developmental delay. Um, they can become quite overweight because they get obsessed with sugar. They get this thing called hyperphagia because they don't have the gene that switches on the metabolism properly. So we were talking the other day about, she said, oh, I've just felt like the last couple of weeks I just don't want to take him to appointments because they've got all appointments all the time. She's like, I just, I don't want to do physio with him at home. I just want to play with him. And I said, do it. Like, that's important, Debbie. He needs to learn that too. Like, that, like I said before, kids learn to be in the world by just play. Mm. And so many parents miss this. I know this has gone completely somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's cool. beautiful. It's I like, cool. I like it's, this topic. It's so good because... Like to sit, I witnessed this so much where parents would in, in childcare centres, like kids would get dropped off at 6am or 6.30, not picked up till six o'clock at night because parents have to work, right? I get it. They got to work. But it's, it's a rush to get them in and it's a rush to get them out. And then I know because I knew a lot of the families that I worked with because I'd babysit for a lot of them. I knew that when they got home, it was like bed, like, uh, sorry, dinner, bath, bed. That's it. And that some of them it would go five days a week. Mm. Like when are you playing with them and just actually sitting down and just going into their world? Because I've, I've worked with a lot of special needs children, additional needs children, and the biggest thing that I learned from doing that work was particularly for those kind of children, you don't get to pull them into your world. You get to go into their world. Mm, but it like relates that. to all children because – Kids just want to play. I messaged you the other day about being present. Remember, um, Zaino, when you said that your daughter was sick? Mm. And I was like, kids will just pull us into the present moment and just make us stop. Because, like, if they're sick, they're just going to be sick and you just get to be present with it. If they want to play, you get to join their world and play. Because as adults, we lost that. Yeah. You know, we lose that along the way. Like, because everything becomes about work, money, relationships trying to keep everything together and we lose kind of the incentive to just play and just be because like that's our natural state mm. you think about children as they're growing up they're playing constantly it's a natural state and then we get told we've got to sit and learn and do maths and do english and do this and do that and it's like all of that disappears mm. and we become so serious so parents learning to play with their children I think is so important, not only for the child but for the parent as well. Just yeah. being able to be present in that moment and enjoy what's actually here because kids have the best imagination. They could take you on a ride. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I play heaps with my kids, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I play too much and then I get the look from Stace like, <laughs> can you get it together so we can move <laughs> about our day? <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's good. I uh, know for me, uh, I've um, had my daughter, my eldest daughter, in that lifestyle where it's work, you know, drop her off to, to daycare early, go to work, come home, dinner, shower, homework, bed. Mm. 
and I hated it. Absolutely yeah. hated it. Um, and now I've been able to open up a little bit more freedom to um, give that life to my youngest daughter. And like yeah. all we do is play. I, I absolutely love playing with her. Yeah. Um, but now I've been able to make time to play with with my eldest daughter as well. It's just obviously different, different yeah. dynamic now. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, um, but that may be like going out to do things. You know, the other day yeah. we went to the escape room and we got to do that together as a family, and, yeah. and she loves that sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, we had the most amazing weekend together. Yeah. So it's just learning how to um, adapt in different environments, different situations. Uh, Jim, quick, I'm not going to quote the quote because I don't know it word for word. But he said a beautiful quote along the lines of, um, um, we didn't age. <laughs> I'm going to butcher this. <laughs> <laughs> Something along the lines of, of basically saying we forgot to play. You know, adults yeah. forget to play. That's what makes him age. Yeah, for sure. And this is not to say, you know, that like parents, like I love that you said I hated it because I saw that in most of the parents. They didn't like it either. But mm. it was like, I have to go to work. I have to make money. I've got to pay the bills. I've got to feed that kid, you know. Mm. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I can play with it, but I've got to feed it as well. Um, and it's it's just the way that life goes sometimes. But I think part of it too is we become so engrossed in our own world that we forget that their world is yeah. so different to ours. Mm-hmm. It's so different. And that was the point of working with additional needs kids like – I used to work with this family who they're, they're, they're actually like my family. Like I worked with – I've known them for over 10 years now and I worked with their little girl where the program was we would go into a room, close the door, we'd have her schedule written on the mirror and we would – I would literally just do whatever she wanted because that was her time. Mm. And we would and, – and it would be repetitive sometimes – but that was part of her learning social skills, you know, how to be with people, like how to play with other people. So that was all important for her to then learn to, for when she went to go to school. Um, so, yeah, I have to just stress that point of like going into their world and actually doing something that they like because if you can do that, this is the thing about like kids' behaviour. Like a lot of parents will be like, oh, she's so naughty or she's this or he's that and – um, he just misbehaves for me all the time. Mm. And all I can think is he just wants your attention. Yeah. He just mm. wants your presence. He just wants you to play with him, you know. Because I guarantee you if you can, if you can try and nut out some time to do that, even if it's not every day but every few days and just a little bit of time, you can, you'll see their behaviour shift, mm. you mm. know. Yeah, setting boundaries around the day. Yeah. And being like, hey, during this time, that's our time. Yeah. So then they know. Okay, yeah. let's play time with dad. Or let's play time with mum. Yeah. I had a client last year, actually, a woman who she's got three boys. And uh, she – that was this was one of the things she was talking to me about was like relating to her boys because they're all so different. And I had said to her, like, find what they like and do that thing with them. Like, if you can't kind of, you know, get a bit of time with this one – bit of time with this one and a bit of time with this one that during the week like if it's too hard to to separate those times just find something that they like to do and try and do that with them so you could do it with the three of them mm. and then the next time it would be the older boy's turn like whatever he wants to do that's what we're going to do you know because they are all so different and she actually said to me that's probably one of the biggest uh results that that she got from 
my coaching was that her relationship with her boys, like it, it just bettered her relationship with – is bettered a word? I yeah. don't know. Anyway, it'll do. Yeah. <laughs> it, is today. It, made, it is today. It made it better. Yeah, her relationship with her boys shifted because she was like focusing on – like one's really sensitive. So his play and his things he likes are not going to be the same as the older boy, you know, who's not as sensitive. And that's what I'm talking about when I say go into their world because, yeah, his play will be so different. I know that you were working with children for 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. At what point did that start to seem like it was a job or did it ever? Yes. So for about 10 years. I take it that you love children. I do love children and that was the initial reason, the intention of getting into childcare work was because I, I just – because I grew up as that kind of mother hen, then I, I was naturally like went into that work. And um, yeah, it was beautiful and amazing when I first started and I was quite young, like 16, 17 when I first started. But as we got, as it got, as I got older and it, it got more, actually it was when I moved to Brisbane and I started working in childcare centres there, it was like, just all about making money mm. and that's oh, when it started oh, right. to shift for me. It wasn't about – because I've always been um, a like group leader or a coordinator so I've always kind of been the boss in the room and my work started to become less about being with the children, teaching the children, watching them, you know, learn and helping them learn and it became more about paperwork mm. and how many kids can you get in on this day and I used to do like – after school care, that was my last childcare job was before and after school care. And they would put us over ratio all the time, you know, which is illegal. And they would pile me up with paperwork to do all this shit that no one cares about. The parents don't even read it. The parents couldn't give a shit. They just want to know they were fed, they're happy and they're safe. Mm. That's it. Parents would say that to me all the time. Like, I, can, I don't really care about that shit, Kim. As long as they're happy and I know they're happy here with you, we're good. Mm. You know, and that's what I was there for. But when it became about the paperwork and getting as many kids in as possible so they can, the owners can make as much money as possible, that's when I was just like, this is fucked. <laughs> Basically, mm. like, this is not why I got into childcare. Mm. Oh, I got one last question on that topic before we move on. Yeah. Um, having have worked with children for so long, is that something that you still would like to have in your life as your own children? Children? Yeah. I always find this question so difficult because I go between yes and no. Like for a long time there I was like I worked in it for so long and like kids – I raised like uh, (laughs) 50,000 kids. I actually did. I say this. I used to do a post on Mother's Day like happy fucking Mother's Day to me because I raised half your children. (laughs) I've raised hundreds of children. Um but seriously, some of them would be there five days a week for years, you yeah. know. So I, I basically was their mum in a way. Um, I get but, that. But I go between yes and no because like – and people will always say to me, are you going to have your own children? You'd be such a great mum. And I'm like, yeah, I know I'd be a great mum, but I don't think that's a reason to have children. Like if it's something that I want to do or I'm, I find a partner that I'm like – well, I'm really in love with this person. I actually want to make a child with this person then, yeah. But I go between yes and no because I'm like, I actually love my own time and I love my freedom in that sense and just, um, yeah, freedom in my own time and not having to kind of worry about 
someone else. And then when my nephew was born last year, oh, my God, like as soon as I looked at him in that little crib because he was five weeks early too, I was like, I want a baby. (laughs) (laughs) I just saw him and he was so little and I was like to to my sister, I actually think I want to have a baby of my own. And still now I go between it. Like when I hang out with him and I'm just like, yeah, fuck, I'd love to have a baby. And then when I'm on my own doing my own thing, I'm like, God, I'm glad I don't have any kids. <laughs> but I have so many friends who have kids that I get to hang out with them and I have my nephew now so I get to hang out with them and get that kind of fix, you know. Mm. So you get yeah. the best of both worlds. Yeah. But for a long time I was like, I do not want to have children. After working for, say, 10 years in childcare, at that point I was like, I do not want to have kids. Like they're annoying, they're loud, they bother <laughs> you all the time. <laughs> like they've always need something. But they're also freaking amazing and you can learn so much for children. I think that was one of the biggest things I really loved was just how much you can learn from them because they are so untouched by the system. Yep. You know, at at a small age until they kind of start getting into school or whatever. But, yeah, they're so untouched by it. They're just like these special present little humans who just love life. Mm. I, I think I speak on behalf of Zane as well when I share that, you know, being a father has been an absolutely blessing mm. for me. You know, I've absolutely loved fatherhood. And, yes, you, we, we, we do like to have our own time as well. Um, but I know for a fact that if I hadn't had my, my eldest daughter when I did, I wouldn't be here today. Mm. So she's been an absolute blessing for my life and in my life. And, you know, there was no mistake that her name uh, spelled backwards is heaven yeah you know so she has literally been my heaven on earth so mm. um i know again i know i speak on behalf of zane and i and sharing that our yeah. greatest teachers bro yeah yeah beautiful teachers mm. and also annoying sometimes too like you <laughs> said you were right with that one i want to i want to know what what was the driving factor for you wanting to get involved with men as clients? Well, I don't. I think it's the expression thing. Going back to not being able to express, or not, or thinking you couldn't express what you're feeling. Because I guess before I started doing this kind of work, I never really thought of it that way. But over the last five years, I've just witnessed so many men not being able to express what they're really feeling, thinking that they're not allowed to express what they're really feeling, being told that they can't express what they're feeling and just thinking like like you were saying, I have to keep it all inside to hold shit together for my family. Mm. And I just think that's unfair. Like we're all humans. We all have feelings and, and emotions and we get to be able to express them. And... I find it so conditioned in men. Like I was saying to you before we started about whenever I work in these workshops, I always get one man in my group as as a coach, I get one man who is a hard nut to crack. He's shut off emotionally, you know, doesn't even want to hug. Like just there's – and I can just see so much there and I just think I'm going to get you. But by the end of this workshop, I'm going to get you. Like you're, I'm going to crack you, you know. And I make it my mission to crack them. And it happens every time. And I just think it's no mistake that I am gifted with that one person mm. because I'm the person to do it. Mm. 
Yeah. And I know working with um, Alexi Panos and Preston Smiles, they Alexi would always say to me, there's not many women who can hold space for men and you do it well because she does it well too so she can see it. And, yeah, I think it's such a gift to be able to do that for men and, like, I talk to people about this all the time. Like, yes, men need men but men also need women to understand women. Yep. Same with women need women, but how, how do we learn about men from other women? We can't. We need to learn from men. You know, and I think that's why I've loved that over the last, like, couple of years I've, I've built some really beautiful, deep relationships with men and every time I meet someone new, like, I just feel like I c- can easily connect with men and I make them feel safe safe to express those feelings and emotions because I feel like I also understand in a way because I feel like I kind of this is actually just coming to me now from what I said about my childhood it's like I had to switch on that masculine early got to get shit done got to look after myself got to be independent and not able to express how I was actually feeling Mm. you know so I think, and also, I mean, I say all that, but really, I watched a lot of prison documentaries, <laughs> <laughs> and they just broke me. And I was like, "This is fucked." Like, particularly the prison system. I mean, you know, everyone knows someone or has seen something about it. And a couple of years ago, I was watching, just started watching all these documentaries, you know. And particularly, it was about African American men in America just the, the way that they were treated in jail and in prison and stuff. So watching a lot of that too has made me just go, I actually want to get into prisons. I want to do programs and get into men's prisons and just not even to really just to tell them that they're loved and just to give them – I just actually want to hug them. <laughs> like honestly, that's how I feel. I'm like – it makes me emotional talking about it because I'm like – they're treated like shit. They're told that they're nothing. Like even here, not, I'm not just talking about America, but, you know, um, they are constantly told that they're either never going to get out or they're just going to reoffend. which, yeah, obviously if they're constantly told that they're shit and that they're, you know, a waste of space and all that sort of thing and just seeing the way that they're treated, I'm like, they're humans. Mm. Like that's a human being. Yeah, okay, I get it. They've done some bad shit, but we've all done some bad shit. And even people who have raped and murdered all of it, like they still get to have the chance, in my opinion, this is going to be controversial, but... No, no, I support you with that. They still get to have the chance to be rehabilitated. And if you look at why they've done those things, if you can understand why, you can help them and you can support them. Because guaranteed... They have I, – I don't believe that humans are born evil. Mm. I just don't. I believe that they have things that happen to them or happen in their, in their lifetime that make them a certain way. Yes, people have chemical imbalances in their brain and things happen that make them a certain way. And, um, yeah, I just I – just, I love humans and <laughs> humanity and I want to – I see everybody. I choose to see everyone as human – even people who I don't necessarily like or get along with, like they're still a human being. I still love them. Mm. And that's what I want to show them. Absolutely. 
And I want to show them that. Like I think with the prison thing is I just want men to know that, you know, you're not nothing. You do matter and you do deserve to be here. And you can heal yourself. You know, because a lot of them think, well, I've been fucked up since I was five, so there's no point. Mm. And then when they've constantly been told that and then been, you know, in and out of court or in and out of jail and told that they're shit and they're not going to do anything, they're going to believe that because if you're constantly told that and you start to tell yourself that, then yeah. you're going to believe it. You start to affirm it to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was interesting you t- t- touched on that topic because I watched a little 20-minute documentary last night and it was of a father who went into the into the prison to forgive a man who murdered his son. Mm. And this man, he was he was a, a gang affiliate, a gang affiliated, and um, covered in from head to toe and tattoos. And he went in there and said, "I forgive you. Mm. It's all good, brother." Yeah. And he sat there with him and gave him a hug and shook his hands and and the words this man actually said was. You know, I'm, I'm thankful that you're able to be here and allow me this opportunity to, to say I'm sorry. He said I'm sorry, but I wasn't, I wasn't shown, yeah, basically how to live. Mm. Some th- events happened into my life, and I went down this path. Yeah. Like you said, everyone comes into this world as I believe too, as as perfect beings. Yeah. But it's all the conditioning and the the environments, society that starts to make those little imprints mm-hmm. into our programming and yeah unless you choose to be conscious and and take a, a journey of uh unpacking and, and unlearning i guess is the big thing mm. then we're just a byproduct of our environment yeah 100%. and we see um you, i've seen a lot of stories like on facebook and stuff about that where people have gone in and forgiven the person who killed their son or their daughter or whatever and you know, forgiveness is like such a huge thing for that person's, the victim's family because if they can go in and forgive that person, it's not to make that the offender feel better. It's so that they don't have to hold on to the shit mm. that they're feeling and the hate that they're experiencing for that person because that's going to ruin them. It's not going to ruin him. Mm. You know, it's going to fuck up their life. So if they can do that, like if you can see a way to do that and forgive them, that just clears you of of the hate and the anger and the frustration and the confusion. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there's lots there. I want to go into it, but I don't know we're going to go for another bloody hour if I go into it. <laughs> um, we'll just close with this question. Um, we asked how men can make women feel safe. Yeah. How can women make men feel safe? Ooh. You tell me, Zane. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think... Um, it's not how the show goes. <laughs> <laughs> I make the rules. It's my first time. Um I think, well, I know for me, like, just being present, being an open, safe space and allowing them to have their feelings, allowing them to express it. Um, You know, having conversations, like you were saying before, Andy, about you and your partner and saying, like, I I love you and I need to express this because it's here and I don't want it to build up. 
if you can do that and just be like, okay, cool, I can be that safe space for you, that's going to make them feel safer to trust you and open up to you, I believe. Mm. That's what I do. That's all I do is just listen. Mm. Yep. Um, I think, yeah, just listen and just being open and available for it. Because men think and they worry that, you know, if I tell her this, she's going to – it's going to be embarrassing or she's going to think I've done something wrong or she's not going to see me as a man because I can't hold my shit together. So if if a woman can just hold that space and still be like, okay, yep, I see you and you get to have your feelings. Like I know that you're still there and you're still able to hold it together – and you get to be vulnerable as well. I think that's such an important thing in relationships in general is just like yep. open communication, being vulnerable with each other and supporting each other in that way by saying like, okay, let's make some conscious agreements in our relationship. Let's um, Because a lot of people go into relationship and you've been brought up one way, he or she's been brought up another way and you come together and think it's just going to work. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Like you've got to compromise and there's got to be negotiation. There's got to be agreements that are made, you know, because otherwise it, you're just going to butt heads a lot of the time. Mm. Yep. Or the relationship could be curated through trauma bonding. Yeah, And then once totally. the trauma comes to surface, like, actually, we got nothing here. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, bro. What were we going to say? <laughs> no, I was just going to say, well, the biggest breakthroughs I've had in my relationship is where – my partner's held that space for me to express. Yep. And it wasn't really until the last year that I've been able to express stuff that um, I, well, before didn't feel safe to express. Mm. But it was using language for her to hold that space. So she, she had to learn how to hold the space. And then I had to learn how to use language and go, look, I know that a lot of this is me, mm. but I need to fucking say this. Yeah. And I would let it rip. But she didn't take it personally because yeah. I, I started with that. Yeah. And that got a lot of shit off of me. Yeah. And then I was I would apologize, you know. Mm. And but I was honest, like I would sad as it sounds, tell her I fucking hated her at one point, mm. you know. And that was hard for me to say that. Yeah. You know, because I love her. Yeah. As well. You know? Yeah. And um but we needed those honest um those honest conversations. Mm. And that elevated our relationship to a new point. Yeah, that's a big – that's a really good point, like not taking things personal. Like if you can understand that whatever is coming out at the time or whatever people are throwing at you or experiencing, it's their shit. Yeah. You know, we all have our own shit and we're going through it. And if you think about times where you've gone off at people or said something or done something, you're like, fuck, actually that was – I was going through this. They didn't know that but I took it out on them. So if you cannot take it personally and and really learn and try to understand that it's not about you. Mm-hmm. People are going through their own stuff. Yeah. And it's not always going to come out as how do you want to receive your feedback? <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> no. I want to receive it in a loving way. But that's the real reality is if there's a charge within you that's very strong and present as yeah. long as that's Boundary's been set at the beginning. Hey, look, like, please don't take this on. I love you very, very much. Yeah. Mm. But I need to express this because my body is shaking. Mm. Yeah. And it's very real for me. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's a big, in the work, there's a big misconception of how the message needs to be relayed. Yeah. 
and it's not always going to be well, fluffy. If it is fluffy, <laughs> then you're in the wrong fucking work. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Hard up. Yeah. Because uh, as, as Brother Ra put very nicely, you know, part of being in the work is going into the darkness yeah. to shed light onto that so that we can continue to move forward. 100%. And that's one of the things we were talking about this before we started. One of the things that I've really learned to love about myself is my directness and my honesty and my authenticity. Mm. Because like I said to you, my sister used to say to me all the time, you don't have to always be so honest, Kim. And I would think, why wouldn't I be honest? Like, it's just natural for me. I used to have people say to me, like, or one person said to me years ago, please don't ever change who you are. Like, you make you just being yourself makes other people feel safe and comfortable to be themselves because mm-hmm. generally most of the time we're all wearing masks. And I said to her, I remember saying to her, but I don't know how to be anything else. Like this is just who I am. And she's like, yeah, I love it. Don't change because it makes people feel comfortable to be themselves when they're trying to put something on. They can actually just go, oh, okay, she's being herself. Now I get to be myself. And I really love that. I've learnt over the last probably – two or three years, I've really learned to love that about myself. Like it may not always be received well and it may not always be liked, but I'm okay with that because I know that eventually people will see where it's coming from. Mm. And you spoke about that before, Andy, that there was something that I said to you in the workshop that you didn't understand at the time, but you got later on. Mm. Yeah, that was actually to do with leadership. Yeah. You know, I remember you saying, um, you're a leader. It's like a leader doesn't always have to go from the front. There's yeah. all different places a leader can lead from. So I went away from there and I was thinking, fuck does that mean? <laughs> a leader doesn't lead from the front? Well, where the fuck do they lead from then? <laughs> and then I went away and um, it was like over a, a X amount of time, I actually read the book Extreme Ownership. Mm-hmm. And then I was just like, ah, I get it. A leader is a person of influence. Yeah. So a leader doesn't necessarily need from need to lead from the front. They can lead from the middle. They can lead from the back. Yeah. It's if you can influence people to yep. move to yep. move forward. And you already had that was my point too. Was you already had that quality? Like, I mean, the people in extreme in our group called you chief. Yeah, I was thinking like that was <laughs> what. Yeah, <laughs> and I didn't even know who came up with that, but it was like it was oh, lucky. Oh, was it? Yeah. It was so fitting because. It, they all listened. Like as if you would talk, they would stop and listen. It was just it's, – it's like a, an innate quality that you have. It's very natural for you. It's not – a lot of people have to work at being a leader. Mm. And that was what I saw in you is like it's so natural for you. If you get up and walk, they'll walk. If you get up and talk, they'll sit and listen. Like, yeah. Yeah, thank you. That just took me through a whole little movie reel <laughs> of my little stick embodied leader. I know, and it was funny. We actually, I actually got Andy in both of those weekends, which was just, it doesn't normally happen, but because our groups don't get selected in these workshops. But I got him the first weekend, and then the, the advanced workshop the next weekend, I was like, oh, here we are again. Like, I'm meant to be here for this person. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's still so much that we need to talk about, but. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think I do want to just just finish off with some of the words, uh, some other words for men that are listening. Yeah, and I know you're talking about uh, what can women do for men. Um, I will just just say, you know, for any of the men that are listening to, for some of us, we the way we were raised uh, wasn't really working for us. Mm-hmm. wasn't working for our fathers. wasn't working for our grandfathers. So we need to change the way that we think, to change the way that we live. 
we are worth more than our nine to five job and just being the hard worker for the family. Mm-hmm. You know, learning how to express our emotions, learning how to cry. You know, we have tear ducts so we can cry. Yep. Um, learning how to feel. Um, you know, these things have been really important. You know, for me in my journey, just expressing my emotions, learning how to express them, and more so in particular to men. I I, I used used to well, I used to have a lot of female friends. I still do have a lot of female friends, right? Mm. And I didn't understand it till you said oh, I've got a lot of male friends, and I clicked. I was like. That's why I had female friends was because I could speak to them and express my emotions, but I couldn't do that to men because they weren't emotionally available. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and now, you know, I have a lot of men that actually weren't at some stage that yeah. are now fully emotionally available. Yeah. People they'll never ever tried to push into this journey but have now found their own way and it's like – Man, I'm so proud of you, bro. I love you, bro. And like sending photos and showing how happy they are. And it's like, it's not quote unquote gay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. To be a man and to express those emotions towards your men, it's actually uh, t- towards your friends. Yeah. It's actually a really beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'll just quickly say on something you were talking about, but kind of relates to what you were saying, Zane, about your family. Like, um, you know, when men think, oh, I've got to make this money, I've got to do this job, I've got to get these goals, blah, 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 blah. You, your friends and family don't give a fuck. Mm, like mm. I thought of this yesterday with my friend. I put on a little birthday surprise for him because I wanted to remind him of how much he was loved and how important he is to us. And it, I was thinking about it last night. I was like, you know, you can have all these goals and you can get stressed about money and all these sort of things, but – your friends and family don't care how much money you make. They don't care what car you have. They don't care. They just love you for you. They just want to spend time with you. You know, like I get it. We've got to make money to live and stuff. But when you really get down to the nitty gritty, we just want our partners and fathers and stuff to be present. Mic drop. <laughs> I, I love that because I literally there's a screen on the ground there. I've started working in here because yeah. I, I it's like I've got so much stuff to do. I hate being away from everybody while I'm working. I want to just be in here, yeah. So yep. I can still talk. I can still be a yep. part of the family. But it's for me the way I see it was like I'm teaching my kids how to work and be a family man oh, at the 100%. same time, be present. Yeah, mm. yeah, and you can figure that out, like. You know, um, one last thing. I keep saying one last thing. (laughs) But I want to say on the anger thing, I just want to make this clear when I say that women can't trust men when they um, don't express their anger. That doesn't mean you go and like fucking abuse people, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean expressing anger in a healthy Healthy way. way. So getting it out just so that it's out of your body. Um, Before it becomes explosive. Yes, yeah, exactly. Just wanted to make that point. Yep. Yeah, yeah, cool. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. I would say that to woman too. Yeah, know? 100%. Yeah. yeah. Get it out as fast as you can before you build the story and add energy to it. Yeah. Yeah. We're s- Something we're like I have to practice. Yeah, we're meaning-making machines. That's like one of my favourite things to say is like because we just make meaning out of everything. Mm-hmm. We create a story out of everything. And when you really sit back and look at it, oh, actually, that's not really about me or it's not really – is that actually true? No. I've just created that whole story in my mind mm. because yep. of how I've felt or my conditioning or my beliefs, you know. Mm. 
Yes. We'll definitely have to get you on for uh, part two. Part two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Part two. Well, thank you for coming on. Um, thank you. This you popped my podcast cherry. <laughs> 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 no, nah, it was um, nah, it's lots of value in this episode. Yeah. And I know that it will be, it'll go out and resonate with whoever it needs to resonate with. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll reach the right people. Yeah. Which I trust that. Yeah. yeah. It's grateful for you, sister. And keep. Thank you, my bros. The truth forward. Thank you. Thank you. Honoring <laughs> w- you big time. I wouldn't want any other bros to pop my podcast cherry. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a wrap. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Express Yourself podcast with Zay Masters and Andy Archie. If you'd like to leave us some feedback, please leave us a review. All contact details will be added in the description. And in the meantime, don't forget to. Oh, no.